Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Colored Red. I've got a short historical murder for you guys today, and it's a little bit of a murder turned a haunting story, but it involves a house that still stands here in Denver, Colorado today called the Lumber Baron Inn. And a brief history about the Lumber Baron Inn, it was built by a man named John Moat, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He settled in Denver back when Denver was just starting out, and he became one of the most successful lumber company owners in the entire state, and he built over 200 buildings in Denver at the time, which sort of propelled it from being a shack mining town into quite a large city and a hub of the Midwest. Um, so he basically pushed Denver into a completely new age with this. And in 1890, he built the Lumber Baron Inn, as it is now known, which was one of the most magnificent and largest mansions in Denver. Each room featured a different wood. There was cherry, oak, poplar, sycamore, maple, and walnut. And at 8,500 square feet, as I said, it was at the time the largest and most magnificent mansion that Denver had ever seen. So, um, John Moat lived there for a while and he ended up selling the house in the 1920s after they moved to California for retirement and weren't really into the Colorado scene anymore. They were selling the house to a man named Hiram Fowler and Hiram made money in mining and was very generous in the neighborhood and he was known for his parties and fun galas the Fowler family members basically owned the mansion entirely up until 1990 when it ended up being condemned. And they tried to do various things with it to pay for it and keep it repaired, such as like a business school and turning it into an apartment building. But those things all ultimately failed, largely because starting in the 1950s, the mansion was split into 13 different apartments and eventually the neighborhood started to go downhill and there was a lot of poor residents in there, and the family wasn't making much money off of the $96 per month rents. And they ended up having a lot of security issues and things which will come into play with the murder that I'm going to be talking about tonight. So to add to the history of this place, in 1990, it was finally basically a condemned building that wasn't being used by anybody. And it was sold to a young Walter and Julie Keller for $80,000. They ended up painstakingly renovating it and filling it with antiques and they would do an event center sort of thing and run plays and they would eventually sell the Lumber Baron Inn to Elaine and Joel Bryant in 2016 for $1.7 million. And they still own it to this day and you could still stay there and you can go there for a wet and have weddings there and have high tea and there's dinners and murder mystery theater events and Victorian parties and crystal readings and just you name it. They do it there. Um, in terms of the outside of the building, you guys might notice in some of the pictures that there's this giant star-looking shape above the turret of the building. And that is the star that's from Denver's old Celebrity Sports Center sign. Um, one of the owners found it in a junkyard and put it up on the turret. And they thought it was a really cool sort of homage to that old sign that used to be pretty iconic in Denver. And so now it just sits on top of the turret of the Lumber Baron Inn. So the current owner of the Lumber Baron Inn likes to keep fresh flowers in a room called the Valentine Suite. And she does this to honor the spirits of the two girls who were actually murdered in that very room, which I'll be talking about. Uh, the hauntings basically of this building involve 
people seeing ghostly apparitions of young women on the stairs. And, then, and particularly, they see apparitions of these young women in the Valentine Suite itself. There's voices that are heard, and people have a feeling of the presence of someone and freezing gusts of wind. People have also curiously seen a Victorian woman who's believed to be a woman who ran the business school and was the headmistress of that business school back when the Fowlers owned it. Um, Walter Keller himself, back in the 90s when the Kellers owned this building, can attest to feeling someone standing over him as he repaired different areas of the house, particularly when he was near the Valentine Suite itself. But we might be asking, why is this particular room haunted? And who are these girls that are haunting this room, or whose spirits supposedly remain in this room? Well, I'll tell you. Some paranormal researchers will say that an act of sheer violence and terror is enough to anchor a spirit to the place that they were murdered. And if you believe in this sort of thing, then you'll believe in what goes on in the Lumber Baron Inn. Exactly 48 years ago from the very day of this recording, which will be October 13th, two young women were found murdered in an apartment of the Lumber Baron Inn, which is now called the Valentine Suite. Caroline Nosh um, was only 16 years old when she left home to get her own apartment. She had her parents' permission to do this because they felt that she would have run away if they didn't allow her to go and experience life on her own. They were keeping tabs on her and keeping constant contact and making sure that she was okay. They said that she was a great sculptor and she was an artist and a complete free spirit who had a, a certain will about her that they couldn't really stop. Um, she ended up dropping out of high school in order to move into downtown Denver and basically try to start a life of her own there. Her parents hoped that she would move in and see basically how hard life was on her own and that she would be prompted to return home. So she moved into the dilapidated apartment in the Lumber Baron Inn. She paid only $48 a month for this apartment at the time, and she had a roommate as well. So the roommate also paid $48 a month. So what was that? $96 a month for this apartment there. On October 11th, 1970, um, Carolee Nosh turned 17 and she went home to celebrate and announced at that birthday celebration that she would be returning to high school, but still be living on her own because what she wanted to do most of all was go to art school. Um, she had found a job, and she was set to move out of her apartment at the Lumber Baron Inn within four days. She knew for a long time that there had been many issues with this apartment. There were people coming in and out, drifters, party house, um, lots of people in and out, drugs, and there were people living pretty much every in every corner of this building at this point, and there was a lot of traffic in and out of the door. Um, just one month prior to her birthday... Someone had jimmied her door of her apartment with a knife and stole about $280 worth of items from her home. The landlord ended up describing Kara and her roommates as hippie types, and they had a lot of long-haired male visitors, which apparently was a big deal at that time. And this guy apparently also ended up saying, this landlord, that she had a party at one point where he counted 14 male people entering the home, which apparently, I guess, this guy was looking out his window and counting or something, all these people going in and out. I don't know. But um, the landlord basically described Kara and her friends as hippie types. 
and that they party too much, and he sounded like some old guy. But on Monday, October 13th, 1970, Kara spoke with her mother around 6 p.m. on the phone. Um, her friend, Marianne Weaver, who was 18 years old, was a young mother. Um, she left her home around 9 p.m. to go and visit Kara. At around 2.30 a.m. that morning of October 14th now, um, a friend named John Lechuga, who was 23, drove by the apartment and saw Marianne's car outside and looked up and did not see an, a, a light on in the apartment, which I guess at 2.30 in the morning was pretty odd for Kara. He was suspicious, so he ended up going into the house and up to the apartment and found the door ajar into their apartment area, and he called to the door to no answer. He entered the room and he turned to look at the bedroom area and he saw basically in the darkness and sort of dimming light of the morning, a dark form on the bed. When he turned the light on, the dark form was Marianne Weaver and the darkness around her was blood that was seeping out of a bullet wound in her head. She was fully clothed and her arms were crossed over her chest as if she was laying in a casket. The other interesting thing that he saw was that there was an arm sticking out from underneath the bed uh, in the room. And this arm ended up being Kara, and she was completely nude, and she was stuffed underneath the bed. There was a paring knife jammed into her shoulder blade, and it was as if she was trying to hide or get away when she was essentially stabbed with a paring knife in the shoulder while she was underneath the bed. Um, there was no phone in the apartment, so John ran to a nearby 24-hour restaurant and called the police. The police indicated that there was no sign of a struggle in the home in terms of things being knocked over or whatnot. There was also no gun, but there were tons of fingerprints in this house from guests and anyone else, and from these fingerprints, most of which were spear like smeared and not really distinguishable, they couldn't narrow it down to anyone unless someone came forward. Police would end up saying that an intruder broke into the home while the roommate was in California and he raped Kara and then Weaver must have walked in on this scene and the intruder ended up shooting her too. The autopsy showed that Kara was strangled to death and Weaver died from the bullet wound in her head. A small baggie of marijuana was found in the room and the crime was term determined to be basically drug-related. But what I immediately don't understand about that is that they found the marijuana in the room after the murder. So apparently, whoever this was didn't take the marijuana. So I'm not so sure it was drug-related myself. The other curious thing that immediately sprung to my mind was that apparently Marianne Weaver was shot in the early hours of the morning and... Not a single one of the people crammed into one of the 13 apartments of this 8,500-square-foot home even heard the struggle or the gunshot or anything in particular at all, which I find bizarre. Maybe they were just the sort of turn-the-other-cheek uh, city folk sort of people, or I'm not sure exactly what was going on. Maybe it was just that rough of an area at the time that None of this was that abnormal to them, and they just slept right through gunshots, but that's another aspect of the story that I find very curious, that no one in the area could tell them any information, including people in the apartment complex or the nosy landlord, about what went on that night, but very curious part to me. The Denver Post back then had a program called Secret Witness, 
and they offered $2,000 for information on the crime, but no one ever came forward and no arrests were ever made on this issue. And the friends were cleared. The parents have been wondering for years what exactly happened to their daughter, Kara. And that's essentially the case of the Lumber Baron Inn. It's still open to this day. It was reopened as a cold case, and um, they basically ended up indicating that they're going to be looking for DNA on the evidence and submitting it to CODIS, and maybe there's going to be a hit at some point. I have a lot of faith in people finding hits on long-lost DNA because it's happened here recently with a number of cases, and it can still happen for sure. So I'm not completely lost hope on them finding who this was in this Lumber Baron and murders. But um, some say that the the spirits of the young girls still haunt the Valentine Suite. And you can go to the Lumber Baron Inn and you can stay in this room if you're so inclined. And report back to me what you might see. Do some recordings or something. I think it'd be fun. There are tons of videos online of people basically going in there and doing recordings themselves and psychics going in and... Paranormal investigators have done a few shows about the Lumber Baron Inn, so I'm sure you guys can find something when you go. Um, next week, I'm going to be recording as a guest of the Denver Orbit podcast, and I'm super excited. And um, we're going to basically be using that episode as our closer to the end of October. And what I'm going to be sharing is a story right out of the Rocky Mountains for you guys, and I'll give you a hint of what it will be about with a joke. What is a cannibal's favorite restaurant? Five Guys. So I think you guys can probably get a good idea of what this episode is going to be about from that. So uh, listen in on that. I'll be sharing that episode with you guys. It'll be a whole different format because it'll be the Denver Orbits podcast format. And I'm sure you guys will love it. So until then, see you guys.